Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Pod Position. I said edition, it's not a fucking magazine. I'm Jim Sterling and I'm here as always with Laura Kate. Hello. Hello, I'm here. Apparently I did a thing that pushed the podquisition back last week. I'm sorry, everyone. Sorry that journalism happened. <sighs> oh yes, we will talk about that. It was late last week. People thought I'd forgotten, but I'm not, I, I wouldn't forget the lovely people listening. And we're here with Gavin. Hello. We were here with, with Gavin. Uh, ah! Hello. Hello. <laughs> we're here with Gavin this week. Yes, yeah, so we, we've had tech issues, which is surprising. We don't normally have those. So I, I just like heard this like complete silence for a couple of seconds. I was like, hello? <laughs> now, we have Gavin with us this week. This is the bit where you say a thing that says you're Gavin. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Gavin? Yes. Yes, well, I can hear you, so say a thing that tells us you're Gavin. Okay, hi. <laughs> I'm Gavin. That's what we were after, <laughs> fucking hell, Gavin. Um, many listeners now envious of Gavin, for he got to hear the podcast in its superior state, silent. <laughs> so, last week was a bit late, um, mostly because you had a chat with a funny little man, didn't you, Laura? Yeah, should should I tell talk about this story? So... Podquisition last week, I started the episode off as as I did with Jim. Me and Jim had a little chat doing our funny Peter Molyneux voices and making fun of how shitty Peter Molyneux is as a person. About five minutes before the end of recording the podquisition, an email pops up in my inbox saying, Peter Molyneux has accepted your request for an interview. I was like, okay, that's fine. I will do the interview. It's going to be fairly bog standard. He's going to avoid all of my questions. He's not going to answer anything. It's going to be bog standard. Did the interview the next day while, you know, Podquisition's uploading. And 40, 40 minutes I spent chatting with Peter Molyneux. And the last 10 minutes was him crying about how he was never going to talk to the press again. So I was like... I mean, he basically vomited gold into your lap. A little bit. Like, I looked at this last 10 minutes. I was like... I do not believe a word of it, but it is pure fucking gold. There is no way I am, like, risking the chance of, like, podquisition going up and me not being able to then use this. So I was like, okay, here's what I've got. And I pitched it to the Guardian. They were like, fuck it, we'll take it. Here's, like, a couple of months worth of rent. And I was like, Jim, Jim, do do you mind holding podquisition back a little bit and putting it up in the dead of night when Peter Molyneux's not going to see it so that I can still publish my interview with him and get a couple of months of rent out of it. Laura, if it buys you chips for the next couple of months, it's worth it. Yeah. It keeps a roof over my head and shitty internet for the next couple of months. It was a minor delay just to make sure that the interview went up and then we're like, fuck it. There was barely a chance he was going to listen anyway, but it it would have been... would have been awkward to explain to him after you've just spoken to him and he's just cried his heart out to you and then we're here going, eat your dinner, you stupid lying eat bastard. Eat your dinner, you fucking cunt. And so, but but I, I trusted her. Oh, I, I, I trusted. Oh, I am never listening to podcasts again. All night fails uh, on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it clear. I completely stand by everything I stood about Peter Molyneux with this week, including, uh, last week, including... There is no reason anyone on earth should have given him money on Kickstarter. I genuinely don't believe this will be the last of interview no. he's going to do. However, I wasn't going to turn down the interv- the opportunity to have pure gold on my lap and not sell it for a profit. Well, yeah, I mean, I think so, again, sorry was... about that, everyone. You had to, you had to, you had to wait a couple more hours to hear us piss about wanking and stuff. Man, I gen, I genuinely kind of felt bad for him reading that interview. <laughs> 
It was a really good interview. Like I, I, I read it, and I like how you did point out at the end that even with his big promise, he more or less implied he was telling other interviewers the same thing. Just like, I'm, yeah, well, I'm never doing another thing, one like... again except for the next five. Yeah. Well, that interview, like, it changed a lot in its final hour or so before posting, because, like, once I knew that, like, I got a bit of a heads up as to what was going on with RPS's interview from someone, and it was like, oh, okay, well, if I spin this like this and do the sympathy angle, but then the cynical hard end, I can still be cynical, but definitely be the good guy compared to what's coming later today. (laughs) Which itself is very cynical. I am very cynical, but fuck it. It got me a lot of good press, so yeah, I'm happy with that. I say so was, sorry you had to wait for Bodquisition. It was a very good interview, and I say that as someone who read the the, the Rock Paper Shotgun interview, which of course has, has generated a lot of discussion this past week. Mm. Um, and and I, I really like Rock Paper Shotgun. Um, you know, maybe starting the interview with, would you say you're a pathological liar? Uh, <laughs> not, the, not the best way to colour your interview. <laughs> Well, to, to, not, to open though, with that he? question, then not even let him, let him answer the question. Like he's not a pathological no, he just liar. He's too excited. He's not lying. He is. I think he, he is getting excitable and saying things that will yeah, turn think, out to be untrue. I think he believes his own hype. Mm, you know, he. He. Oh, he entirely yeah. does. But I don't think he deliberately the, sets out to to upset or let people down. I yeah. think he he gets so excited. And I've met people like him before, actually. Um, and he just gets so excited about something and says, this is going to be so amazing, I can't wait. And then it just doesn't work out. He doesn't have the necessary, mm. I don't know, is it a, a skill, the skills to make it work or just the the resources? But he doesn't have... Well, I think he he's not a ground-level developer. He's, mm. he's a creative director. He's an overseer. He's the big picture guy. And mm. um, we've heard stories before of developers hearing an interview or seeing an interview go out and then having a panic attack because it's like, we didn't know this shit was supposed to be in the game. We know this shit can't be in the game. Because um, I did a Jimquisition on Peter Molyneux uh, on Monday just just because, you know, <laughs> apparently everyone had to have a turn kicking the shit out of the guy. And um, I pointed out that maybe it would be a good idea because Molyneux is, has never been the only guy working on his games. There are people who I think put a lot more of the work in to the games than him mm. uh, and let them be the face of it for a bit. The guys who actually know what's going on. I don't think Peter Molyneux kind of has that, like he's not in the trenches, you know? Mm. Yeah. Jack Atridge is the person at 22 Cans who needs to take over press stuff. Like I interviewed him last year. He is much more grounded and has a much better idea of what's going on at that studio. It's like, Hey, what on earth are you doing letting anyone other than him? Like, why would you let Peter Molyneux talk? He, <laughs> the way he talked about it when, like, I was interviewing him is that he talks about it as blind alleyways. Like, there are things that people will try and they are dead ends. The difference between Peter Molyneux and any other developer is that Peter Molyneux mm. announces which road they're going to try going mm. down before he knows whether it's a dead mm. end or not. Where the yeah. other, whereas other developers and will go down the road to be like, okay, that's a dead end. Let's not bother telling people about what's you know, down that most, one. Most creative people, we will make that mistake, but we'll make it usually just once. And we'll realize once we let people mm. down that you, you shouldn't do it anymore, that you shouldn't make promises that you don't know 100% yourself that you can keep you know it's why I never ever answer requests actually I never ever say yes I'm doing a song about X because you never know it might be shit yeah well what I'll say about the RPS interview is like it got answers and like I I will say that I respect some of what it did in its attempt to be blunt and direct 
in order to get answers that needed to be done. However, like it read to me, simply put, like it read like an angry fan backer had written it. And had that been the context, I'd have said, yes, that's completely justified. There were certain points of that interview that I read and I thought, this doesn't read like a professional interviewer. This reads like someone who is trying to be the interviewer who broke Molyneux. And there's nothing wrong with trying to break Molyneux, but that's not necessarily a professional Well, here's the thing. Job. I mean, Peter Molyneux was, has promised that if you break him and you look inside him, there is a prize in there that will change your <laughs> life forever. So he's, he's just trying to see what's inside the Molyneux. Um, <laughs> and the prize, but, the prize will then turn out to be um, an emoticon in Fable 4. <laughs> yeah, and and also you'll get a, you'll get to have a drink, an actual pint with Molyneux down the pub, and he won't show up because he's got somewhere to go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm less less uh, scornful of the interview overall. I I think so. You know, I think the uh, criticisms that it was overly brutal have weight, uh, but at the same time. Very few interviews have ever like made him face what people are thinking. Mm. I don't think he's really read much in the way of what angry backers have to say. Um, mm. He can shield himself from all that stuff. Um, and interviewers yeah. generally sort of um, don't like like hold a mirror up to the guy and 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 say this is what people are thinking. Uh, yeah. So it was nice that he kind of. I say nice, it, none of it was nice, but it, it was, no. I think it was ultimately for the best that he got a chance to face that. Um, then again, I mean, I don't know how much of a lesson he'll learn from it, because even in that interview, he was already crafting himself a nice little story mm. of how the Rock Paper Shotgun interview was going to quote mine him, and then how he was, how like trying to predict the headlines, which I always think is a very disingenuous uh, thing for an interviewee mm. to do, is to... Um, you know, say something and then say, oh, I bet you'll use that for your headline and make me look bad. It's like you're already trying to paint a picture before the, the article goes out, uh, which he's very good at doing. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, the big thing that, like, has stuck with me since both my piece and the RPS one went up is that considering the timeline, the, the RPS interview happened, it was the final interview of the day before I was granted my interview. So it was RPS's interview, as far as I can tell, followed by mine the next day. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that my approach probably wouldn't have yielded the results it did had it not come on the heels of the RPS interview. <clears throat> like, for all of the complaints I have about the way the RPS interview was conducted, I think that it is probably the only reason that my approach yielded the results it did. And that he, like... The fact he was slightly broken by the RPS interview, I think, is the only reason I got anything you out know, of You know, it's funny you say... You said the word broken, and that's kind of... well. Everyone obviously interprets things differently, but when I was reading the article and the interview, that was the word that popped into my head. Like he sounds broken, and I know a lot of this. A lot of the criticism he gets is justified, but it did genuinely make me sad when he was talking about like mm. how him and his family got death it's... threats, and I was like, yeah, that's oh, that's not it's... on, yeah. Mm. yeah. It is. It is hard to like. The problem is, it is very hard to sit down with that man for an extended period of time and maintain the cynicism and skepticism that you know you need to treat him mm. with like i went went into that interview knowing i need to be skeptical and cynical of everything he says mm. and every promise he mm. makes but it's very difficult to stay that way when you've sat there and even if he's done it before even if he's going to do it again it is very hard to sit and listen to a man who sounds defeated talk about 
that basically the stuff we talked the the stuff I quoted in that interview and the way he yeah. did and to not have that little bit of compassion yeah that little bit of you that wants to believe yeah. him well that's why like they he- warn you that's why they when you yeah. when you go and visit him um, they walk you down a big corridor past all the other inmates and they tell you don't listen to him he'll try and get inside your head yeah. um, you start trusting him and then you sit in a chair in front of the big glass it's a Silence of the Lambs oh. reference is what I'm doing yeah. listeners um, oh oh, I have an interesting thing to share about oh. Peter Molyneux that I found out that I haven't told anyone yet go on he's got um, <laughs> goddess, goddess backers who have emailed Peter Molyneux in the last week requesting a refund on their Kickstarter pledges have been not offered a refund, but have been offered a tour of the studio of 22K. <laughs> they have they have been given an overly lengthy email apology that's like, here is all the things we have done. Here is all the email updates we've done. Here's how many times we've updated the game. We're not going to at any point like respond to you. We're just going to say, we're trying to make it the game that you backed still. And if you'd like, you can come visit the studio if you're free and have time. <laughs> As part of what sounds like a big group, we're just going to get all the backers to do a big tour, and then they won't come ask and for see us. Back. Come and see us not make the game. Yeah, so that's the thing that's happening. I have seen some emails to people. I thought you were going to tell us that yeah. you had tattoos. Like, like I imagine, like, like eighties, eighties um, hair metal album cover tattoos. Like, like Viking warrior women with huge busters I, slaying dragons. I wish he did. <laughs> That those like those, metal, those metal album covers are uh, not exclusive to the eighties. I can tell you that <laughs> there's still no, very my, many my, of them. Yeah. <laughs> but my my whole feeling about this, like the offering of tours to people who wanted that wanted refunds, is it just feels like Peter Molyneux sat down and being like, oh, well, um, I know that you want your money back. You um, you definitely do, and I I appreciate that. However. If you'd like to come visit us and see how we're not fulfilling your promises we made to you and not continue to ask us for money back, then that would work well for all of us because then I won't have to give you your money back and you will get to see where your money is not being spent. Your dollars, Clarice. Are your dollars still screaming? (laughs) Are they silent yet? Uh, Oh, dear. And you will, of course, uh, have to pay for your own plane ticket and hotel Ew. expenses. I'd love to do it myself. Indeed. Yes. But I want to buy a bag of chips. So, uh, yes, fuck so you'll have to get yourself there and you'll have to do it when everyone else is going. The wonderful thing about Fable 3 is what we've done is we've taken everything that was good about Fable 2 and made it more crap. <laughs> Indeed. That was like Indeed. a fear. That was such a. Fear three situation with Fable Three, like where every, oh, our, Fear Three was the worst. They took like everything about the the second one that was great and kind of fucked it all up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, God! In speaking of people who've taken things that should have worked really well and fucked them up somehow, I want to talk about Nintendo and Amiibo's new function. That's a thing that got talked. About. Oh, the thing that that was really exciting until you found out what it actually was. Yes, it's the thing that was exciting until you realised they Nintendoed it up. Yeah. So, I saw the headline. The headline that was being tweeted around was, In investors' meeting, Nintendo announces Amiibo will unlock virtual console games. So I was like, 
fan-fucking-tastic. I will tap my, my little map Mac Amiibo on my 3DS on my Wii U, and I'll get Punch-Out for Wii, for Wii U or 3DS. I'll get that for free. Fan-fucking-tastic. Amiibos are amazing. Everyone's going to buy them. It's going to be a system seller. You're going to be back in the game, Nintendo. No. No. What happens is you put your Amiibo on your Wii U, and you get a randomly selected level from a game... And when you finish that level, you have to tap your amiibo on there again to get a different randomly selected level. Yep. That's it. Nintendo. Right? Yep. Nintendo. Nintendo. I don't I don't need a fucking demo for Super Mario Brothers. No no one in the fucking world needs a demo for Super Mario you know, Brothers. I'm gonna for the have NES. to interject here and disagree. I do because that's the only fucking way I'm going to be able to get to World Eight. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some random <laughs> but, level thrown at me. Yeah, surely though, like make it a demo from the beginning. Don't give random levels, or just put the whole fucking game in. I mean, they, Nintendo. They, yeah, Nintendo, fucking, you're the only fucking company that can do that. They're ROMs. You have, uh, you have the ROMs. You have them ready to go. Um, you, you have the toys. You have, like, the ability to be like, hey, we have Skylanders, put them on your console, you get a free game. Every one of your figures is going to unlock some retro game. It's going to cost you fucking nothing, Nintendo, and it's going to be the greatest fucking thing you ever did. Everyone would love you, they think you were the fucking greatest. I was just going to say, let's be honest, the, the NES games they sell should not be five ninety nine. They should not. They should not be five In- fucking... They're ROMs. They are ROMs, sir. Oh. Here's, here's how much proof it is that they are literally just ROMs. On the 3DS, there was a browser exploit temporarily where you could get, like load up a Game Boy Color game on your 3DS, restart the game, and press home screen straight away, and go to your internet browser and load up a ROM, and it would load in that ROM. So you could play ROMs that had not been officially put on the system by Nintendo because it is literally an emulator and ROMs. And the games... Yeah. You just plug a fucking ROM into it. The games are so tiny as well that they could, you know, literally put the game on the Amiibo. Like, you could have, like, Mario on Mario's ass. It's that small. You could rescue Peach from Peach's knickers. Yeah. Well, it's make it an app. Make it an app on the Wii U and 3DS. It's maybe 100 megabytes large or something. It has a load of NES games that have Amiibos connected to them. It's 100 megabytes or so to download, and it's like, right, once you've got this, your Amiibo will let you play the full game. You've got them you know all what? ready. You just tap the Amiibo, and it's there. I'd buy that app. I would give money for an app that yeah. made those Amiibo like, more functional in that way. Mm. Um, I mean, I should point out, we are obviously getting angry over something we never knew existed uh, until a few days ago, now not being... Uh, as good as we thought it would be, which kind of makes us sound um, well, very entitled. We're, but we're at the same an, time, we're getting annoyed at Nintendo for having a fucking golden idea and squandering That's it and throwing it, yeah. it away. It's it's a it's a frustration for me because because it is such a good idea, and at the same time, I mean, I guess they are making money by charging five fucking bucks for a for a game that mm. honestly should be fifty p uh, at this point in time. Um, so they wouldn't do it. But I mean, at the very least, like. Maybe not a random level from an NES fucking thing. Like, like do yeah. what you do with the Nintendo, like the NES remix stuff. Like, make some 
weird little mini game, something original, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to take up too much resource. Uh, just something yeah. that gives the amiibo a, a unique, interesting functionality. I'm not going to tap my thing on a fucking on the NFC reader to get a random level yeah. of fucking. I will. I will not download that free app, and I will never once fucking tap my amiibo on there because that is useless. That is not a thing. Yeah, like I mean, honestly, it's not a thing. If, if I want to play that level and I don't have it on my Wii U and I'm not going to buy it, but I want it for free, I'm not going to tap it on my Amiibo on there and play it a level at a time. I'm going to download a fucking emulator. You know I'm going to do it. I also, I, I also found out the other day that Hyrule Warriors, because you tap Amiibo while on the Hyrule Warriors start screen mm-hmm. and unlock stuff, you only use five a day. I filled the bowler hat that I wear on Gymquisition with all of my Amiibo. All of them. Carried them into the main room. And I'm like, I'm going to scan every single one of these fuckers and get so much stuff. Five. <laughs> I got to five and it said, do another five tomorrow, you stupid, sad bastard. Not their exact uh. words. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, one of those ones I scanned gave me one rupee. Sir. Well, one I rupee. Have- I got the new 3DS this week. There's an entire story connected to that. We'll get to that story because it's a fucking gem of a story. But I've got my new 3DS already. And in Japan, you can use your Amiibos on it already. You can you can play Smash Brothers. You can use your Amiibos. That's a thing. In the West, you still can't do it. It's like, oh, you've got your Amiibo. You can't do anything with them on your 3DS. You can now. in the US now. Can you? Yeah, in fairness, I... I... I because um, I got a new 3DS I, as well. I know I, on day one that you, that you couldn't. I, pop, I think you still can't uh, in Europe, as far as I'm aware. I popped Sonic on today on Smash Brothers, and it was the same as doing it on Smash Brothers on the Wii U. So I I now don't give a shit, but but I can do it. Um, but yes, yes, new three. I like your story about the new 3DS because it sounded completely <laughs> ridiculous. Oh god. Um. So should I tell my story about the new 3DS then? Go so, for it. Um. My new 3DS was ordered on Amazon and it was due to arrive on Tuesday morning before 1pm. Mm-hmm. And this was through a lovely delivery service called Parcel Force, who were working for Amazon. And like and, me, you um, yeah. you were one of the lucky folks to get the, the Majora's Mask one, weren't you? Yes, I had one of the amazing Majora's Mask limited edition. Majora's Mask comes installed nice. on it. It's amazing. It's gold. It's got fierce deity link on it. It's wonderful. So... I'm sat watching my tracking number all morning because I am desperate to get this before I have to go out. I'm like, right, I want my new 3DS. Where is it? And it gets to 11.30 in the morning and I get a little alert on my phone that says, your 3DS has been delivered and signed for and there's a little scribble. And I go, okay, I didn't sign for it, but I do live above a pub. Sometimes I'll get the pub to sign for stuff. I'll go down to the pub and find out. So... Within three minutes of it being signed for, I'm downstairs in the pub, and I'm like, okay, did anyone here sign for a parcel? They're like, nope. It's like, you definitely didn't have someone come in in the last three minutes and get you to sign for a parcel? No, didn't happen. So I call Parcel Force, and I'm like, okay, can you tell me some more information about this parcel that was signed for? And they were like, okay, we've we've called our driver in the car. He delivered it to the pub. It was signed for by Miss Laura Dale in the pub, <sighs> and her signature's there. And I look at the signature, I'm like... That's not my signature. That's a fucking scribble. And no one in the pub has signed for it, and no one has seen a parcel delivery man come in. So they're like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll talk to the driver. And they talk to the driver, and he says, oh, um, well, the driver's going to come back to the pub and um, talk to whoever it was and find who signed it so that you can find out where your parcel's gone. So I was like, okay, that's good. We can work out where in the pub my parcel is. I sit down in the pub, and I watch this unfold. 
the parcel force driver drives back up to the pub, 3DS box in hand, puts the 3DS on the desk, doesn't get a signature and walks straight out. This is half an hour after that driver claimed that I had signed for it. So clearly the driver had forged his signature and faked delivery and still had my 3DS. I mean, I admire the cheeky goal of the bastard. (laughs) Well, (laughs) initially, my assumption was that he had realised it was a Majora's Mask new 3DS and he was just that desperate to get one. He's like, I couldn't order one on, on Amazon, couldn't do it, gotta have this one. This is my only way to get one. I mean, that's it. Considering how rare it is, like it's a it's a fear that could be grounded. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was my th- fear. Turns out, probably much less sinister. He had to get it to me by one o'clock. He was probably running ra- late on his round and forged the delivery in order to still get his bonus for delivering everything on time, and probably would have delivered it at some point that day anyway. However. I'm still pretty convinced that he was trying to steal it because it's made of pure magic and gold and <laughs> rarity. Well, at the same time, I mean, the dude took the piss and yeah. and doing something like that could very well be... I mean, telling... Essentially claiming you did the job and you didn't do the job is not on. Um, well, this is the thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much the direct opposite of his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, he did. from what I can tell, the guy got fired. Wasn't my intention. It seems like he got fired from hearing from his bosses because basically it's a case of, hey, we don't know for certain that he was going to deliver it. What we do know is that he forged your signature, claimed he'd deliver it to you, and still had it with him. I mean, and that is fraud. And I don't like celebrating any kind of job loss, but at the same time, like, yeah, Yeah. that's that's actual fraud. That is that is fraud. That you, you is gotta you, wonder you're how... claiming I have my thing that I don't have. Fuck you. Yeah, especially I'm having when my you thing get a notification. And you can get away. Dude should know yeah. better. Like you, you, you have to time. wonder what his his thought process was there though, because how how on earth did he think he would get away with well, that? Well, on my address, how on earth did he he yeah. not think? Obviously, this person's going to ring and yeah. try and find out what happened I, to I, their item. I can only assume that he thought he'd have extra time to do it because my address lists that I live above a pub. Either so that or he, he must have yeah. thought, oh, well, I'll say I delivered it to the pub staff and during the time when that confusion's happening, you know, I'll deliver it later. He also may not have known that you got a notification when it's when it shows yeah. up as signed. And that I'm an obsessive bugger that's going to be like, <laughs> no, where's my fucking piece of gold Nintendo magic? Where the fuck is it? I mean, it makes me question you know a, a I deliverer. Think, who... I, think, I, think, uh, I think the driver was Reggie. <laughs> I think he delivers these things himself personally. And when he saw who it was... He was like, fuck no, she she gives out about my product on her <laughs> podcast. I'm not delivering this to her. This is another oh, one God. for the eBay pile. This is for yeah, me. I've got to yeah. wonder about like who 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 gets into the job of professional delivery and hasn't heard of product tracking. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah exactly. you would think, but apparently no, he didn't realise that I would get told that I had signed for something. You know the secret? You know how I could prove to like you know what I told Parcel Force to tell them I hadn't signed for it? I am still naked. I have yet to put clothes on this morning. There is no way I signed for that parcel because I'm not <laughs> doing that without clothes. That is what I told them. I was like, I don't have a fucking thing on. You can't claim a sign for anything. The 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 fuck it, the nudity play is yeah. that wins ninety like, percent of court I, cases. I will send you a picture mm. of myself nude if you like. <laughs> I am not wearing clothes. I did not fucking sign for it. 
I've, I've issued that threat before many times, and it's amazing the amount of arguments it's won me. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, what, what are you thinking of your new 3DS? Do you like it? I'm enjoying it, yes. I am actually yeah. quite impressed with the 3D. Um, yeah, the head the head tracking turn it 45 degree angle 3D works really well. It does work well. It, it may be the reason why I um, had a, a migraine attack last night, but uh. I'm not going to complain too much. Um, the... I did find out one thing about that head tracking. Mm-hmm. There, I have a friend who they have to have their 3DS held at an ever so slight angle in order to be able to see the 3D because they don't need glasses, but one of their eyes is slightly stronger than the other by a tiny amount. So it's not, is that not normal? Because when I use the 3DS, I have to hold it at a very precise angle no, no, to no. see the 3D. No, 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 not at a, like, the precise dead-on angle. He has to have it slightly tilted. So it's closer to oh, one side of his okay. face than the other. Okay. He can't use the new 3DS because when he tilts it, yeah, because he tilts it in order to try and get it to work properly for him. Because it, it tracks, tracks. And it makes uh, that the new center. Oh. He physically can't use the new 3DS's 3D. Is there not a way, is there not a way to turn that off? He, it, there probably is. I couldn't find it, but that buggers it up for him. I know in the... Um, hang on. I've, I've got it here. I'm, gonna have, I'm actually going to... I'm going to troubleshoot live on You're gonna the show. You're going to do on-air journalism. Damn right. Let's have a look, because I'm going to go into the... Op- let me just ah, pull the little stylus out at the bottom. Right. System settings. Close my gunman Clyde. Um... Okay, here we go, Nintendo 3DS. Hurry up! Fucking claim you got a fast processor. Right, <laughs> other settings. Profile, sound, blah, blah, blah. Super stable 3D. Let's see. Can, ah! Super, sta- sa- uh, bleh, super stable 3D on or off. Ah, you can okay, turn well it off, so your friend can use right, it. Then. My friend can use it, but they can't use the super stable version. Because yes. it's, it was just like, he had to turn it slightly to make it work for him, and the more he turned it, the more it was like, no, stop making the, the spot that doesn't work, follow me. God damn it, you're just too stable! <laughs> um, so yeah, otherwise, uh, I do like it. It, it does feel faster. Um, I, I like the potential for the Amiibo stuff, even though the Amiibo stuff tends to be nothing yeah. but potential. Um, I do uh, like I, that I have a nice gold one with Majora's Mask all on yeah. the front of it. I like my little nub. The nub's really nice. That's we- I didn't know the nub was like... Because the nub doesn't yeah. feel like it moves. But it's so rewarding to use. Like Once you've used it for like half an hour, you're like, oh, I like this. I, I might even prefer this to the circle pad. I like this. It's It's definitely... You know, I'm used to it now, but it's like it, I almost feel like the skin on my thumb moves rather than the stick. Like it's, it's unusual, but I don't dislike it. It feels really like just a, this yeah. solid little thing. Like, like I, I forget who pointed it out, but it's basically a little clip on the 3DS, um, and you just, you just like nudge it with yeah. your thumb. You stick your thumb on that nub and you very gently rub it in either direction until good things happen. You get, you get the results you like. That solid little thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's oh. it's fun. We, we, there's some news this week that Gavin's gonna like. Ubisoft oh, had go. their most profitable year ever, making almost a billion dollars of profit. And that's good, Gavin, for you. That's good for you. You know, you guys confuse indifference with. <laughs> Ubisoft um, to your favorite developer, Gavin. <laughs> You've got a tattoo on your on your chest. I've seen it, right, listeners. I've seen it. It's a tattoo of a of an Amazonian Viking warrior woman with big busters slaying a dragon, uh, and her tits are Uplay logos. Well, he's he's also got a tattoo on his ass cheeks where it's U B I S on one cheek and F T on the other cheek. 
Because the O's okay, in the middle. I'm sorry, but as much as much as I like Ubisoft, you play? No, I will never ever defend you play. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. You, I couldn't play my games yesterday because you play broke. So oh, yeah, no, I'll never, I'll yeah, never defend you play. You play is is awful. And Are you happy that the company that relies on you play has had their most profitable year ever with their broken releases of terrible shit? I'm indifferent. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm asking you uh, in your position as CFO of Ubisoft, Gavin. Yeah. I must say, we <laughs> as their as their official cheerleader and yeah. hidden plant on this part on this well, podcast. I, I think we are wearing Gavin down because he used to play Devil's Advocate, <laughs> and now he's indifferent. So we've worn him down from like adamant no, Devil's no, Advocate. No, I always play Devil's Advocate to the games. I spent like eight hours playing Unity this week, and I really liked it. You so. also spent like and a billion dollars on it because. Oh, yeah. I, I got I got a nine eighty, so now it runs flawlessly. So, uh, and it's actually really, it's actually you know, uh, you know what you you just want me to say it, don't you? How much I like this because <laughs> the stealth missions are fucking great. I want you to so say there. how much you love it, so we, me and Jim, can then be like, oh, you love a thing that made a load of money, but it's shit. Oh, we yeah, we don't like oh, it. Oh, I judge yeah. you as a person now. Fuck you. Who is your favorite developers, by the way? On that, probably uh, Nintendo. Mine is definitely Bethesda and Bioware. Mine's Ubisoft. <laughs> your your favorite developers? <laughs> yes, are Ubisoft, well, we all know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, they make me more. They t- they talk about having a profitable year. The more profitable they get, the more profitable I get because I get to <laughs> slab them more. So, well, then in that case, my favorite developer so far this year is Peter Molyneux. Yeah, yeah. And I really be hope making he... that mad bank. <laughs> yeah, making that yeah. mad bank. Oh. Well, then my then mine then has to be CD Project because my Witcher song was the biggest song of last year. So, <laughs> oh god, every now and then I remember that The Witcher Three is coming out this year, and then I get I, I do a little yeah. smile. You get a little. It's like every time you remember it's coming, it's like yeah, little boner there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Batman, Batman's coming this year, oh, and fucking and Zelda. So much good oh, shit. Oh yeah, big yeah. open world Zelda. And fucking Bloodborne. And Blood Bloodborne's in a few weeks. And Bloodborne. Mm. And Persona mm. 5. Can you imagine uh, if it was like last year and every single uh, one of them was an utter disappointment? I really hope mm. not. Just, I just want one of these to be good. I want Zelda, Bloodborne, Persona 5, or Xenoblade Chronicles X. I want one of them to be fantastic. Mm. Like, yeah, one of I'm, them just needs to definitely. be the best thing ever. I'm not massively... After the Batman Origins, like Arkham Origins, I'm not as stoked for uh, Arkham Knight, but, you know, I hope it's good. Um, Witcher, mm. I'm really into. Um, Darkest Dungeon already came out, at least on Early Access, and turned out to be really nice. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm actually, because I'm still on that Resident Evil kick, so I am looking forward to Resident Evil Revelations 2, which is out pretty soon. Uh, hopefully that's good. I like what I've seen of it on, you know, footage and stuff. Um, I like that the enemies are all really creepy looking. Um, and of course, Kirby's what was it? Kirby oh, the Cursed Mirror. Yes, um, which I, oh. if I'm right, I'm going to be doing a review of for a for a known outlet. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a proper review for one of those big sites. Oh. Cool. Uh, I have a story this week, and it involves my real life and how someone in my life acted a little bit like my life was an early access game this week. <laughs> so. I don't know. Have either of you heard the story of my of my conditional engagement yet? <laughs> no, no. Um, okay. I mean, I know that you 
have had one because you told us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This this is a fun story. So, my girlfriend came home from work um, a couple of days ago, and she sat on the sofa eating cheesecake in her pajamas, scraping the topping off cheesecake, just sort of scraping the topping off and eating that and leaving the base and. I'm on the other side of the room, about 12 foot away, working at my computer desk. And she turns around and just says, you know what? I really love you. Do you want to get married? And I was like, is that a, are you serious? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm being serious. I was like, okay, yes. And we then hugged. And then I started to ask questions. I was like, so is, is there a ring here? And she was like, no. I saw a ring. It was about three pound. Haven't done it yet. I'll get your. I'll give you the ring at some point. And I was like, "Could you have, you know, put down the cheesecake and walked twelve foot across the room to ask me over here?" And she's like, "Yeah, probably could have." I was like, "And and you know, was there not like you? You kept hinting there was a plan of how you were going to tell me." It's like, "Yeah, I had a plan. I gave up on it. I, I couldn't be bothered to wait. Couldn't be bothered to wait to do it." She sounds awful. And they, she was like, and I they really, say romance is dead. She was like, I really love you, but I couldn't be bothered to wait for my plan to happen, so I just asked you now. So I was like, <laughs> my response was, okay, yes is the answer. However, here's some constructive feedback. Like, put the minimal effort in. Put the cheesecake down, walk across the room, and give me a ring you spent three pound on. And that's the minimum bar to entry. Like, I'm giving you a two-week veto. You can't do it for another two weeks, you know, to prevent spamming weddings and proposals. Mm. So it's like, okay, wait for your ring to arrive, come across the room, <laughs> and maybe say some things about why you like me. And then we'll, and then then you'll get your actual yes. So you've got a conditional yes. So she has on the to, condition she, that you redo, like you take my feedback on board and redraft the proposal. She has to issue a patch for the proposal. Yeah, yeah. She, that's the thing. So she has proposed. And we are conditionally engaged. Our, con- our, our engagement is in early access. Like, some <laughs> of the features are there. Like, the yes is in place. The, like, the, the framework of asking and the answer is there. But a lot of the, like, extraneous features, like the ring that means I can tell my parents and show them the ring on my finger, like, that feature's not in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, we will, we will consider this a release when she puts in those other features and updates it. Well, con- conditionally, congratulations <laughs> Thank from the you. staff. <laughs> you'll you'll get a full congratulations letter. The romance is dead. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my early access proposal. So I'm kind of engaged, ish, assuming that she finishes patching the proposal. Like, well, that's awesome. We know she sounds access- like a keeper. Well, we know how early yeah. access games go. <laughs> like, there's no guarantee that she's gonna finish the rest of the required steps to have a full release. <laughs> Like this is like the 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 one point one release, and like we want the full two point like finished release. Nice, nice. So that's I, I'm. Someone made the really interesting observation that like you're clear, you clearly work as a writer because you gave constructive crit- critique and then made them redraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm... I just I just like that you should walk over here and say some nice things about it, me first. It's like put down the put down the cheesecake. <laughs> Spend three pound on a ring, walk over here, and maybe say some reasons why you like me. That's your minimum bar to entry to, to me to me properly accepting that this is a full release of, of proposal. <laughs> so that was my week. <laughs> I love you, Tilly. Please don't hate me for telling that story. 
I have a friend whose uh, method of proposal was literally he bought the ring, came home, walked into the kitchen where the fiance to be was sitting, threw it on the table, and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly, he got a yes. <laughs> She got a yes. She just got a yes where it's like, this is a yes where you don't get to tell my, uh, your family or mine until I've got a ring I can show off. Like, spend £3 on a ring. Even if it's only £3, just spend like £3 on a ring. Get Trying so hard not to, to do Beyonce right now. Yes. Trying so hard. If you hard. liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. And I don't see I a ring on this that, finger yet. Yeah. So, you know, it's... I was singing that song in the shower. Oh, God. Maybe that was you that put that song into my head because of this story. Uh, I was trying to figure out why I was singing that song in the shower. Oh, no, it wasn't, actually. It was because I was uh, thinking about Kanye West being a dickhead to Beck. (laughs) The best part of the whole story is when I mentioned that there's like, is there no ring? She looked around my desk and was like, you've got a bottle open on your desk. And she picked it up and I was like, no, you're not giving me that as a ring. I am not showing that (laughs) off to my parents that I have a bottle opener on my finger. You're getting me a ring. (laughs) Oh, early access is fun. <laughs> We've got some Twitter question this week. Should we do some of those? Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. the sound of that. Yeah, why not? Um, let's have a look. What uh, Liam P- Liam Piera on the Jimquisition Facebook group wants to know. The unofficial Jimquisition Facebook group. I have to point that out. It's in a f- unofficial because I don't know what they get up to in there when I'm um, not looking. I, 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 I keep a fairly close eye on them, and, uh, yeah, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Liam Piera has, asks, what game needs to appear on a portable system as soon as possible? And I'm trying to think now. Like, any RPG series needs to turn up on portable so I can just chip away at it while I'm traveling. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd like, um... Because Earthbound is only on the Wii U currently, isn't it? Um, I, I'm going to go for the order because you can play it, you know, while you're waiting for your boss and finish the entire game. <laughs> oh! Oh! Uh, the order's I, pretty short. I can't talk about the order yet. Uh, I've played it. I've beaten it because obviously I have. But I can't talk about it. Actually, when does this... This, is, this, this goes, goes out after my review goes up, I think. <gasps> You know what you if should do, If necessary, you can hold this in, till in your honor review. Of, <laughs> yeah. In honour of the game, you should just make the review, like, one line. Just be like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And, you know, I mean, because what, what is the date? Let me just make sure this works. Right, February 18th. So the, the review will be up. Um, shortness is not that game's problem. It's... Uh, don't get me wrong. It's fucking short. But <laughs> shortness is not that game's problem. It, it will take about, you know, five hours or so. Um, it's what it does with the time. It you doesn't know, have a story um, until the very end, and I thought I was halfway through the game because the story finally happened. Uh, I'd finally met, you know, something approaching a, a tangible villain. Um, the action was about to kick in. Like everyone suddenly got massive motivations, and I'm like, this is leading towards a conclusion. Oh no, it was all a big cliffhanger for a sequel. That game is nothing but a prologue. It's a primer. <sighs> It's it's a demo. It's I an have, extended it's gra- trailer. It's a ground zero. I, I, <laughs> I thankfully did not take a um I did not take a review copy, but I did watch a full playthrough of it on YouTube in legitimate means. Mm. And uh yeah, that game it shoves all of its attempt at a plot right at the end, and it's a game that is pretty much only plot, except the plot doesn't happen for most of it. It's yeah, a weird yeah, I mean, game. It's... You know, we've we've talked about this before on the cast that like there seems to be this real issue 
in the last couple of years with um, de with developers trying to find the line between quality value for time content and then way too much fucking shit that wastes your time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it seems that they're finding it harder and harder to get that balance just right. Also, let me just point out, it is so perfectly, completely video games that a game set in the 19th century has hacking minigames in it. Yeah. Is that not just perfect video games right there? Yeah, electricity is. is in its infancy, and we're hacking fucking electricity panels because video games. And here's an automatic rifle. Don't worry, we're saying this bit sci-fi. Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to think of any other answers to the actual question Does now. it have zombies? Um... No, it, it's got werewolves, and I won't spoil the other thing that I was really excited for. And then, again, I realised that I shouldn't have been excited because they're just teasing it for the sequel. Um, but it, it uh -huh. seems very focused on... They, they basically focus mostly on werewolves. Then there are hints that sort of they're going to touch on a lot of other sort of more mythological-oriented monsters. Um, yeah. I mean, I say in the review, like... As a, if their intent was to get people excited for a franchise, job done. In that regard, not as a video game, but as a primer, as a prologue, it's an unequivocal success. I am excited for the world of order. I'd love to see it. Was this essentially like the good version of like Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes? Where I, it's like, I, I, hey, I, this is a thing. That's supposed to be a taster to get you excited for the full thing that we'll make. Yeah, I mean, I won't say good. Um, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. The, the, as a game, it feels good. Um, while, when it lets you have the action and the combat and all this stuff, when it's not wasting your time and, and throwing up doors that you can't open until the game explicitly says you can, all that stuff. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's more substantial than Ground Zeroes. Of course, it costs more than Ground Zeroes, so it probably mm. evens out the same. Um, but it's, it's certainly of that same flavour, of that... Man, I can't wait till the real game comes out. Because uh, I'm, I'm invested in it. I'm really... In that's what makes me so sad. I'm invested in the Order's world now. I like the characters. I like the yeah. plot premise. I like the, the atmosphere they craft. Uh, I like Lafayette, who's uh, one of the characters in there. He's just a, a wonderful support character. Uh, I can't wait to see an, all of that put into an actual... Like, it reminds me... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place. But it reminds me of the old world of Darkness <laughs> games. Stuff by White Wolf, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, all that stuff. It's got that kind of dark, brooding, gothic horror thing to it with some sci-fi stuff, because why not? Uh, and I'm really into it. It's just I can't wait to see it in an actual, fully-fledged, complete-feeling video game. And none of that has anything to do with length. Mm. They could have told a really good, complete story within five hours. They just fucking didn't. Anyway, so Liam, I would like to see RPGs <laughs> on... On handhelds. There we go. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as well. <laughs> oh, goodness. What else do we have in the questions pile? Um, James Bradley has a question for me and Jim, which is a serious question. I'm kind of amazed that this came oh, out, no. out of the unofficial Jimquisition group. Um, how did you begin writing about video games? Like, what started, in, what inspired you to start? Where did you begin? And, yeah, how did you get into the whole writing about games thing? Um, well, I used to just do sort of little reviews for free for a friend's website that had mm. no... had 
well, yeah, no real readers. Um, and then I, I considered that I liked writing. I liked uh, video games. And a friend of mine who used to work in computer programming and, and video game programming said, why not try and make a job out of it? And so I did. I emailed a bunch of people, emailed IGN, all those kinds of guys, GameSpot, all this. Very few, well, no one got back to me, except IGN. Uh, Dave Clayman, who ran IGN Insider at the time, uh, gave me a commission, said, pitch, pitch an idea for an article. Um, my friend who worked in game programming also worked on the Data East failed arcade game Tattoo Assassins, which was this legendarily shitty Mortal Kombat ripoff. Um, and so I, I interviewed him, talked to him about the history of that game, and I got to write this really nice article about the, his, the, the history of Tattoo Assassins. Um, armed with that, I then read uh, uh, Games TM magazine uh, that had sort of... It was talking about various industry jobs, one of which was, you know, games media. Uh, and Destructoid was mentioned in there. Um, and it sounded like a fun place. Uh, it, it said they paid, which helped. So I sent Nero uh, an email, lied to him. I said, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the site. I'd love to write for you. Ne- hadn't heard of them until that day. Um, he got back to me and they just gave me a chance. And so that was that, really. That's really nice as the story as stories go. Um, what's my story? Um, I completely screwed up my exams in school and came out of school with zero qualifications. And my entire plan uh, for life had been predicated on going to university. So I was suddenly like, oh, okay, I have no plan for what to do with life. So I start working this dead-end job in a supermarket, and I was trying to find something to do to keep myself occupied during really boring days. So I started coming up with ideas for, for articles, and I would just sit and write down, like, I'd get a piece of till paper, have it on my till next to me, and I'd just write down ideas of what to write about. And eventually I got a my first like job was an unpaid job for a conventions website for the London MCM convention, which did not pay, but it got me a lot of good feedback from an editor and a lot of good connections with PR companies and got me on a lot of the right mailing lists. From there, I started pitching stuff. Um, I did a writing course that was run by Hillary Goldstein, who used to be the EIC over at IGN. I remember Hillary. Sort of, yeah, Hillary's lovely. I, I did a 10-week writing course he was running, um, which got me to starting my own site, Indie Haven, which is a good place to throw stuff up. And then I started pitching places. Some places took it. Destructoid took me on to write about butts. Um yeah, and then basically I lost my day job and was like, fuck it, why not? So I took the plunge, set up a Patreon, and was like, do you like all that free stuff I did for about three years? If so, <laughs> do you want to chuck some money in? And somehow that was enough to survive. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was my little story. I like my story. It's all right. It's my story, and I, yeah. I, I, I think it's going to take off this year. I think I've already told you in private that I think this is the year of Laura Kate. Well, the um, last the last couple of months, like basically since I went on Patreon, like what's happened since then? Well, Patreon was enough for me to live off. I got put on the podquisition, which is pretty damn helpful. I uh, I got on the Guardian. It's mm-hmm. not been a bad couple of months. I'm it's on Destructoid now. Destructoid's helping. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. good. Yeah. I can now say to my mum, oh, that podcast I do every week. Oh, yeah, it's with this uh, girl who writes for The Guardian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Legitimacy. That name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the name I use when I talk to my parents. It's like, oh, yeah, I got published in The Guardian. I think I got published yeah. by them once a year ago, and, and that was when they realised yeah. it was actually maybe going to be a job. 
was like, yeah, the Guardian. The Guardian paid yeah. me for work. <laughs> the Guardian. Nice. I don't yeah. even tell people the publications. I just like, I type on my phone, patreon.com slash Jimquisition and just show it to people and say, are you going to get me that drink now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like you're. When, when and then they look at industry, it, and then they go, "You should get me the fucking drink." To, uh, <laughs> it's it's difficult to gauge people's reactions when you tell them about your work in the gaming industry, actually, because some people have very wildly varying reactions. Some people will get really excited, and then other people will kind of look at you and go, "Really? Yeah. Well, isn't that a bit cheesy or whatever?" Well, that's like any anyone that I don't know for certain is into video games. My my thing is like, oh yes. I write about tech, uh, tech culture, and video and the video games industry for mm. like for various newspapers. That's how I pitch it. I, I, it's like I, I got published by a newspaper's website once. So yeah, I write about tech culture and video games for uh, for the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Does that sound like a thing that's a job? And not I sit on I sit yes, and make jokes about like <laughs> Jim having glujes and. People throw money at <laughs> glooges. me. Glooges. <laughs> yeah, you got your glooges on your hands, and somehow, mm. like, it, it feels better to say that than to be like, half an hour a week, I talk about like butts. I talk yeah. about butts, and I put that on the internet. I I make crude jokes and impressions, and like talk about semen, and I do that, and then people throw money at me. That doesn't sound so good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, then that's exactly what you should do to to describe your work. <laughs> it's what I do with like mm. teenagers. Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah, I'm really cool. I get to talk about butts and jizz all day. Mm. <laughs> oh goodness, do we? Have... You know what's actually the best? Sorry, yeah. this is off. Little off topic. Right. No, it's absolutely the best feeling. What is when someone asks you what you do and you tell them, and it turns out they've actually heard your work or seen your work. Oh, yeah. And they're like. And they and they there's that moment where they won't believe you. Yeah. They're like, "You're so full of shit," and you're like, "No, that's actually me." Well, it was... My um, oh. my my wife gets that a few times when she tells like friends of mm. hers who she's married to and just mentions the name, mm. and then they're like, "Not that one." And uh. then she's like, uh, "Yeah, that one." And then they're like, <laughs> "No, they're like, I'm so sorry." Then, yeah, like how'd she stand living with that prick? <laughs> okay, fun side story. Um. My favorite thing, the thing that makes me like excited and makes me realize people actually listen to the bollocks I do, is that my mm. my my girlfriend slash conditional fiance, her younger brother has a load of friends who know who I am, and they will talk to <laughs> him about things I do, and he'll be like, "Oh, my friends were talking about Laura again today and how she did this on this thing with Jim Sterling, and she did this thing, and she was on the Guardian." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> they know I exist." <laughs> It's like, nice. It, it can like, be weird. My my my. Yeah. It's always it's always funny with them um, when there's a group of like gamers with a group of non-gamers because my um my girlfriend's sister, mm. one of her friends, a few of her friends actually are big like Miracle of Sound fans, and I was at a party once with them, and they were like really kind of happy about this, and then the other people at the party were like, "Who the fuck?" Is this person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never heard of him. And the more the other people are excited, the more they scale their yeah. disregard into contempt. <laughs> I just, I just find it really sweet that that my partner's little brother, he gets some cred for knowing me. Like there is that he gets his moment of like, yeah, my sister's dating dating her. Yeah, that's a thing. I'm cool. Yeah, like that's a genuine thing that he uses to be cool. And I'm like, oh, mm. babe. <laughs> Oh Ben. 
Ah, yes. Leans back. It's great to be famous. It is yes. great to be famous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Six and a half thousand. Oh, oh, it's a difficult life, but we make it work. <laughs> We're so awesome. Oh, oh, I swill my buck vast. It's perfect. I've been wanking this whole conversation. Marjorie, bring me a turkey on a golden plate. I want to have my fifth dinner of the day. Bring me the Vaseline-filled glove. <laughs> I'm going to sit on a Carefully, Fabergé Nora, that's, egg. That's, that's illegal to uh, to talk about that in England because, you know, it might be one of the nine things. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Uh, hey, here's a question. Is mm-hmm. anything in Shades of Grey in the nine things? That's what I want to know. Oh, I'm having to rack my brain for the for what happens in Fifty Shades of Grey because I've tried to banish that from my mind. Um <laughs> Well, I don't think you can consensually engage in BDSM anymore in the UK. Because, like, even no. spanking, I think, is banned under the new rules. Yeah. I don't think. Are you allowed to spank? Um, I think spanking's banned. I think it's... Is, is it not borderline when it comes to the that kind of thing? I yeah, mean, we I, should point out, of course, this is just for pornography. Uh, you can, yeah. in, in, in the pleasure of your own home, do it, uh, UK listeners. Yes. Um, but I, I, I want to say there's some, like, they. it's allowed with very, like, Strict. Um, I wish caveats. I wish I'd checked this in advance because we could have got Fifty Shades of Grey, the film, banned in the UK because you know we could have been like, <laughs> no, this film is pornography and it 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 contains spanking on film. We can't have this in a civilized society. Is there actually anything graphic in it, or is it all very? No, it's I've heard it's very ways. soft. Fucking. It is. It's yeah. very. It's very soft, like in what you actually see, but all of the emotional abuse and creepy stalking behavior and fucking creepy stuff is still in there. And all like, that's fine so under like, UK porn laws. It's like yeah. Twilight without the the fun sub Buffy action scenes. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I mean, that's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I genuinely I watched the Fifty Shades of Grey film purely in order to check that like an article I had written still held up because it was based on the book <laughs> but purported to be about the film. So I was like, I should probably check this. And my goodness, yeah, it is like it is an hour and a half to two hours of just. I am going to creepily follow you. I'm going to make you sign my sex contract. I am going to emotionally abuse you into this relationship and I'm never going to let you go. And that's the big driving plot of the first story, isn't it? The whole first book is about trying to get this this virgin who's never engaged in any sexual activity of any sort. She's never so much as masturbated and getting her to sign a sex contract that says... You right. have to do everything I say, have sex whenever I want, however I tell you, and you're not allowed to look up information on sex or BDSM, and you can't do anything, and you've got to do everything I say, and you can never leave this contract, and it's legally binding, and you are completely locked into it. And if you don't sign this sex contract, then you will never have sex, and you'll be unfulfilled forever, and I will never teach you the ways of my magical sex mm-hmm. life. And that is the entire... Once, and oh. once again, once again, I will say, and we thought romance was dead. Yeah, that but is really int- accurate. I mean, mm. I'm speaking as a kink fan myself. I mean, I have had to sign so many creepy, ambiguous sex contracts. Uh, I've got a stack of paperwork going up to my bloody niece. Well, here's the thing about the problem with this book. The contract, in theory, is not a problem because it's kind of a thing that mimics what actual BDSM is like, where it's like, okay, let us agree to con- like consensual lines beforehand and have mm-hmm. something that says this is where our lines are and where we don't want to cross and blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. The problem is a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. The problem is she is coerced into signing it through alcohol and um, aggressive intimidation. 
She's misled into thinking it's a legally binding contract. She's given no say in how it's how it's worded, and she's not allowed to change it. And when he decides he wants to change it, when the male character's like, oh, this contract stops me from doing this really dirty stuff I want to do, he'll ca- convince her to cancel the contract while he does his really dirty stuff. Then he'll be like, mm, contract's back in place now. Like, he will get rid of the contract whenever wow. he feels like it, because he's a fucking scumbag. Yeah. Nah. It's a really creepy. It's a really <laughs> fucking creepy film. I read a page of the book once, and I mean, it's it's not exactly Marky de Sade, is it? It's pretty badly written. Like. Yes, it is. It is Twilight fan fiction that the names were replaced, and she took out the bit where he the, where vampires bit people, which I think they should have kept in. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the BDSM. Just, just do a do a, dusk, do a dusk till dawn thing. Like, it, it's this, you know, soft porn, borderline red shoe diaries pulp, and then just suddenly vampires at the end, and Cheech Marine <laughs> and Danny Trejo are there. That would have been a much better book and or film, I think, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else on the on the docket that we haven't talked about this week? I think we've covered all the good things, all the, all the, all the, the, mm. the juicy slop. Um, all the gossip. Yeah, all the all the, all the yeah. gossip that I care to chat about. Anyway, um, I think we we're good to to just hammer this over the hill. So, Laura, people would love to conditionally support you. How could they conditionally do that? Well, the way they can conditionally support me is they can conditionally follow me on Twitter at Laura K Buzz, which is where I tweet about all the stuff I conditionally do. Um, conditionally. Um, the same day as this podcast goes up, I'm going to have a new episode of Laura's Gaming Butts up on Destructoid, conditionally, about the butts of the Halo series. So you can go to Destructoid and search Laura's Gaming Butts Halo Butts, and you'll find me conditionally talking about the butts of Halo. And other than that, just follow me on Twitter. Or maybe Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Laura K. Butts. Go to that too. <laughs> Fuck, I almost forgot. <laughs> Give me fucking money. <laughs> Gotta make that hustle. Yeah, gotta and make that hustle, gotta make that, that mad cash. Just stacking that cheddar. Cheddar! How about you? Because you are kind of a pop star. How can people find out more about that? You can follow me at Miracle of Sound on Twitter, and you can also head over to YouTube and see my brand new song on Guardians of the <sighs> Galaxy, which is a jaunty little 70s style number complete with brass and strings and very old sounding guitars. It's rather, and it's awesome. it's rather good if I do say so myself. Awesome. Thank I think you. It's rather, I'm getting a lovely response yeah, to this one. I think one. it's rather interesting and well done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was tricky. It was tr- it, it was one of the biggest challenges I've had as this project to make that song sound as old mm-hmm. and as... Um, Dated in the late seventies, early eighties, as it does. So yeah, but, go uh, go search Miracle of Sound, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Go give it a listen, then give him a subscribe. Exactly, and buy my buy, yeah, buy, buy his album, buy his shit, give him yeah. money, buy all his shit, buy it, spend the money, yeah. please, come on, come on, and put it on um, your iPod that's for me. and tell all you your know friends. All that shit. And yeah. and nothing else. Get all the Bowie off. Yeah, we'll we'll sit here and wait. Don't get no, rid of the pog position, though. Don't get um, rid of the pog position. See you later, right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't do that. God, God. <laughs>